We are so glad you are here. And I'm so glad to have Ravana here. She is a contributor for Rebel HQ. Ray, how are you today? I'm good. I love your intro so much. I was jamming out a little bit while I was playing. It's so fun. <laughs> Thank you. I saw you. I jam every single day too. It is a pleasure to be able to have such a tremendous intro music. So many thanks to the team for getting that done. I want everybody, Ray, to listen to this with us. Again, ma'am, I know you say it's your body, your choice, but I don't think you're having any children anytime soon. I think we need to focus on the future of America, and that's our children. What you just heard was Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene dismissing a woman based on age or what she suspected was her age. Horrifically ageist. But it, we should not be surprised because we're talking about Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene. Listen to this. You talk about the, the uh, women's rights. Okay, you're blaming this all on the women. My body is my body, and I want. I don't want the government telling me what I can do with my body. So the caller was calling in to voice her opinion about choice, about having a legal right access to abortion. And she made it very clear, my body, my choice. So the Congresswoman made a decision based on her, you know, her voice, intimating in a way that she was older, you know, guessing basically that she was an older woman and decided to go all ages on her. Take a listen to this. Am are you having children anytime soon? I'm, um, that's my question. I'm asking a legitimate question. And you're right, it's your body, but a baby inside a woman's womb is another person's body. Not your body and not my body. And that uh, abortion is murder of another human being, whether that body is inside your uterus or, or not. But that is murder. I, I do not support the murder of another human being. I support life and I will always stand up to fight for the lives of the unborn born and life overall. Okay. Um, but I don't, I don't think you're having children anytime soon. So I appreciate your interest in women's rights, but killing an unborn baby is not a woman's right and that's not health care. What in the unholy hell? This, this chick, I mean, she really does have a lot of nerve and she exhibits that nerve on a regular basis. I mean, to come down on this caller like this, is it's ridiculous, but she did just that. But it didn't end there. Okay, if a child, if a, the ten-year-old child that was that was the rape. What about then I think we should put the rapist, a child the abuser. Be punished. The child can't have anything done to her without. Uh, the government going after them, finding them, and all that stuff. That's not right. That is a very rare, rare, rare occasion. So that should not be the, the entire premise of the argument on abortion. Again, ma'am, I know you say it's your body, your choice, but I don't think you're having any children anytime soon. I think we need to focus on the future of America, and that's our children, because they are our, they are our future. And the unborn, they're the, our future also. So let's focus on protecting their lives. And, and instead of being focused on a lie that abortion is women's health care, because that's not health care. Health care saves lives. Abortion kills a life. I guess the Congresswoman is high on her supply of government funded health care. So that's why she can say that. But there are millions of people in this country who are either underinsured or uninsured. And let's give her a clue. Abortion access is part of reproductive health and it is absolutely part of healthcare. There are various reasons, including choice, that a woman may have to have an abortion. Who is she to tell women what to do with their own bodies? And then to have the pure unadulterated gall, because that's what she had. When the woman gave the example of the 10 year old girl, that 10 year old girl was from Ohio, is from Ohio, she was raped. And because of the Supreme Court's decision, it triggered a law in Ohio. And so that little girl and her family had to find a way to get her to another state. They went over to Indiana so that she could terminate this 
pregnancy, it was traumatic. Her, the young, the little girl, because we're talking about a little girl who, who's not that far out of kindergarten, should not have had to endure that, and neither should her family. And they had to raise money online to pay for the travel. Something is wrong with this Congresswoman, but she reminds us of that every single day. Let's put up this headline, how a 10 year old rape victim who traveled for an abortion became part of a political firestorm. Also for her to say that it's rare, how does she know? She doesn't know, she just flapping her gums, just running her mouth. And to talk about life, no, these people are pro birth and we need to be clear about that. I know that there are people who believe that there should never be an abortion. There are people who believe that there should be abortions in some cases. And then there are those of us who believe that the choice should be up to the woman and her doctor, the person that's pregnant and her doctor and her family, if, if that's who she wants to consult. But how dare this Congresswoman chastise this woman for voicing her concern about the fact that the radical right wing Supreme Court of the United States of America did away with Roe v. Wade. And if this woman being the Congresswoman, let me get my women correct. If Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene really gave a damn about life, then she would be in that Congress joining with some of the Democrats who are standing up for increasing the minimum wage. She would be she would join the groups that are calling for universal health care in this country. She would be scouring and talking to her caucus about why in the hell they allowed the child tax credit to expire. But you see, she's being exposed for the fraud that she is. Ray, I'm just telling you, I, I wish that Georgia would come and get her. Really? <laughs> I'm just saying it's ridiculous for her to be so indignant about saying, you know, first of all, assuming this woman is too old to have children, because that's what she's implying, right? That she's too old to be having children, which Marjorie Taylor Greene is 50. When are you're probably not having kids anytime soon either? But that aside, the idea that you can't speak on an issue because it doesn't personally impact you, you better hope that's not true, Marjorie Taylor Greene, because that's what you've made your whole career about. You're always in other people's business, telling them what they can and cannot do about things. Things that do not concern you whatsoever. So that's one. I didn't notice her take an issue with the fact that the Supreme Court at the time made up of five, excuse me, six men deciding on issues, people who will never have babies deciding on issues of women's health care. That wasn't an issue for her, okay. But then when it comes to the 10 year old girl who was raped and had to cross state lines to have an abortion because of Roe being overturned, she says, don't make that your argument because it's rare. Why not? Why can't we talk about the rare cases? Because they are just as impacted by these heinous laws as the everyday cases. Because when you make access to abortion restricted, when a 10 year old is raped and when they get pregnant and when they need abortions, it's going to become a difficult battle. And not every kid is gonna be able to cross state lines and not every kid is gonna be able to get that abortion. She says that we need to be protecting children because they are the future, but she wants to end their futures by making babies have babies. Those are the types of things that, that Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene stands for. So every time she speaks, it's just, uh, just a nightmare to listen to and we just need her out. We need her out as soon as possible. Yeah, we absolutely do, Georgia, please. Do, do yourselves a favor in this nation, save us from this woman, really. I want to put up some stats, Ray, about how the American people feel about access to abortion. And here it is, public views from 1995 to 2022. And we see that well over the majority of Americans believe that women should have access to abortion. Abortion is about reproductive health. And in some cases, it is about economics as well. In other cases, a woman may need to do that for medical reasons, her health. But we should not be, elected officials should not be parsing that out. And that is exactly what Mar Marjorie Teller Green is doing besides being an ages. You know, the one thing that we all have in common is that if we live long enough, we all gonna be see we will all become seasoned. There's always a generation ahead of us and a generation behind us. So how dare Partridge Telegram talk to this lady in this manner? Please, George, please help us out. 
get your congresswoman. All right, extremist groups at the polls. Extremist groups are going local to disrupt the midterms. That is exactly what they're doing. As election day draws near, mayors and police chiefs across the country are getting a new warning that extremists have jettisoned their nationwide election intimidation strategy in favor of local efforts focused on neighborhood ballot boxes. We cannot be more serious about this story in some places and Mesa, Arizona comes to mind. They are at the ballot, the drop boxes in military style gear with military style weapons. No exaggeration here. This is what they're doing in 2022. And it reminds me a lot of the tactics that were used by segregationists at the end of reconstruction. And as more African Americans got the ability to vote, those type of intimidation tactics amped up. And so I am just wondering, and I wonder if you are wondering the same thing with me, what century are we in? Are we in the 20th century or the 21st century? Are we in the 19th century? Or are we in the 21st century? That's a very real question. The more things change, the more they stay the same. And that is why we must continue to stay vigilant to fight for these rights, to watch out for them and to continue to fight for them because things can be taken away. So here we are, why does it matter? So we have groups such as the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers are looking to sway the upcoming midterms in favor of their preferred candidate by signing up as poll workers and drop box watchers. At the conference of mayors, there was an expert there by the name of Mary McCord, and she is the executive director of the Institute for Constitutional Advocacy, and she shared this with the mayors. We've seen them dismantle some of their nationwide organizations. So the Proud Boys dismantle nationally in favor of state chapters. The three percenters did the same. We're seeing similar types of threats today as in the 2020 elections. But now the attacks are coming from a very ground up localized effort. And again, that is coming from executive director Mary McCord. And law enforcement agencies as well as elections officials are very much aware of this. They are trying to do everything that they can to protect the ballot box. This is troubling, Ray, what they are doing. You know, the GOP talks, they talk a lot about voter fraud, which they have is, is, is minuscule. And we have laws in place to prevent voter fraud. If somebody is caught, they will suffer the consequences legally. But what we do not hear the GOP talk about a lot is voter intimidation, which is also against the law. Ray, what's your take on this story? Yeah, um, you made the comparison to like segregationists trying to prevent black people from voting. And like, let's be honest about it. How are these proud boys, how are these white supremacists, these extremist groups deciding which people they're trying to intimidate at the polls? It's the people who they think are gonna vote Democrat. It's primarily the right. people who they, they see are people of color, you know, sometimes women generally, but you know, they are making these decisions based on the same racist, you know, premise that the people were doing it back then. So it's you know, history is just a sadly. big circle. Yeah, history is sadly repeating itself. Arizona Secretary of State sent a letter to the US Department of Justice a complaint was filed by a voter who encouraged who encountered the monitors when he and his wife delivered their ballots to a drop box in Mesa. The voter said people photographed them and their license plates and accused them of being quote unquote mules, which is racist as hell, and followed them while filming as they drove out of the parking lot. It's important to know that this area has a large Latino, Latina population. And they knew exactly, they used the word word mule very deliberately. So yes, Ray, their racism is showing it. You know, they ain't got to wear the white sheets no more. You know, they 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 wearing military gear over the white sheet, suits over the white sheets today. And during the daytime they're wearing their police uniforms. Sometimes, some, sometimes. I gotta say not not all of them, Ray, but yeah, I I hear you on that. And interesting how Fox News are dearly 
beloved Fox News can't figure out who's making these threats. Take a look at this headline. Fox News reports on threats against election workers, but is somehow unclear who is making those threats. Take a look and a listen at this. Are now facing more death threats as we get closer to the midterm election. Senior correspondent Eric Sean is on that for us. So Eric, security is also ramping up then. Yeah, it really is, and it has to be, Sandra, because there's active shooter training now for poll workers, bulletproof glass for offices. You know, the democratic process of voting in our country, they say, is really under siege. Election officials reporting across the country that there has been an increase in violent threats against them. In Mesa, Arizona, police were called when voters saw so-called voter integrity activists in masks and touting guns monitoring the voting at a drop box. Authorities have launched voter intimidation investigations in that state. Election officials largely blame the threats on the spread of false election claims and lies about voting. Right, look at these fools. I mean, and, 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 you, and you know, this type of behavior has certainly amped up since January 6th, since the siege on the Capitol. These groups are more emboldened and they are definitely playing chess. Uh, to move it from a national frame to a local frame. They are not playing around in terms of the mission that they think they have to disrupt and corrupt the election process. So you wanna talk about fraud, these people are fraud. People at Fox News are frauds too, that was shameless, that segment. They're talking about amping up false information about the election. You're looking in a mirror, you're the, you're the network that was doing that. Where, they, where do you think they were getting these ideas? They were getting it you know, on the white, white power hour with Tucker Carlson. They were getting it in the morning on Fox and Friends. All the lies that you were spreading to your audience and now they're acting on it. And, and you know, it's, it's really concerning, everyone should be able to vote. No one should feel you know, insecure with voting. No one should feel unsafe when they're casting a ballot. But you know this this is you know part of the the right wing connection to fascism they're trying to intimidate people out of voting to undo democracy that's exactly right and neo fascism is unfortunately on the rise in this country and we must fight it with all of our might and that means each and every one of us is not just up to elected officials it is it is incumbent upon all of us to be aware and to do our part to protect and renew this representative democracy known as the United States of America. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Let's read some comments from our viewers. We have Prince Electro says MTG, and they're referring to Marjorie Taylor Greene, is literally one of the stupidest people in Congress. Georgia needs to kick her out. Now, I usually don't amen that, but yeah, she is showing truly who she is. Either she's stupid or calculated or both. I think she's a little both because she's very calculated. Let's not underestimate her. And I want to remind you, Brittany Griner, this week she got the sad news, the bad news, her and her family that the Russian court turned down her appeal. She is still over there, but we are not going to give up hope. So let's lift her family and do what the family has asked us to do. If you are on social media, please hashtag we are BG. That's hashtag we are BG. And just a reminder, Jackson, Mississippi, our sisters and brothers and family and friends still do not have clean water. And we at TYT are doing our part to be in the larger community of those who are helping them. So go to tyt.com slash relief, that is tyt.com slash relief. We're donating to the National Clean Water Collective to get some kits to people. So help us do that, any amount, and I mean any amount, will help. There's a saying that many hands make for light work. So let's get in there and do that. All right, we're coming back to the show. This is indeed one minute, you're the top advisor to President Barack Obama. The next minute, you're a crypto lobbyist. This is truly a WTF neoliberal moment. We will now kneel. Miss Cinema, Miss Cinema, no. You have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump and you ain't black. 
I'm incredibly bullish on this. I think it's good to have a crypto winner, getting rid of some of the, the BS projects that what are out there. about Bitcoin itself? Look, I'm, I'm bullish. I'm buying Bitcoin right now. I think, you know, anything... So in and around $20,000, can I ever get I'm, back to 60-some-odd? Oh, I'll, I'll bet you my Porsche gets back to 60. Really? Yeah, Okay. absolutely. Life truly is good if you have that to bet. Um, Life really is good, Ray. <laughs> Jim Messina said, I bet you my Porsche. That's a whole lot of good living, Ray. <sighs> I wish I had a Porsche to bet. I wish, I wish I, most Americans are just hoping that they have the, the means to buy groceries this week. This man's and to put like gas in their vehicle too, Ray. Yeah, but he's just throwing it away. <laughs> yeah. So 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 that again, that was Jim Messina. He was a former advisor for President Barack Obama saying he would bet his Porsche. And last year he plunged into the world of crypto and joined the board of blockchain.com. This is what he did. So he's so pumped about crypto that he would bet it. Yeah, you heard him out of his own mouth, his Porsche. This must be nice. How much does a Porsche cost? <laughs> I'm so glad you asked. We got the answer for you. Let's put the put it put it up. A 2022 Porsche 911 911 turbo price, 174 thousand dollars and some change. A 2022 Porsche 911 turbo uh, calibrate price, 187 thousand dollars and some change. A 2022 Porsche 911 turbo S price. Oh, it goes on and on and on. This is going up, but yeah. 42 points. So while he's bragging about that and saying that he would bet the Porsche, 42.3 million people in the United States of America are living below the poverty line. I want you to take a look at this map. Yeah, you see it? Do you see what I see? You can barely see any white on that map or any beige on that map. People are suffering in this country. And this man just cavalierly says he would bet. It's Porsche, right? Yeah, I mean, it's really ridiculous. Honestly, looking at the prices of those Porsches, I was like, that kind of money would change my life forever. <laughs> I mean, a lot of Americans feel the exact same way. So the idea that someone would just be like, oh, you know, I'm sure crypto will continue to go up, even though it's been crashing lately. So I'll just put my Porsche on that. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's just a heinous statement. I, you know, when it comes to crypto, they are, they're always trying to say, like, this is the future. This is how we detach ourselves from you know, our current financial system. This is how we uplift people. But if you look at the people who are investing in crypto, it's you know, primarily large corporations, extremely wealthy individuals. And it's not the people who need the most financial relief. It's not the working class. We don't have access to that either because it still requires a buy and it still requires you know, disposable income, which most working class Americans don't have. We're living paycheck to paycheck. And this just shows how out of touch with reality this person was. And you know, it's it's worrisome that he was, you know, part of the Obama administration. and. Yeah, it is. I mean, we can't expect everybody to be <laughs> or think the same, you know, and I stand with that. But brother, in, in height light of the pandemic and high inflation, I was just terribly cavalier and insensitive to say, I'll bet my Porsche. And to your point, Ray, crypto echoes risk of a 2008 financial crisis. Uh, crypto is not necessarily safe at this very moment, but there we go, Porsches, let's bet. <laughs> Our Porsches. More likely to die in GOP states. So, for all of the saber rattling that the GOP does about how their policies will lift the American people, not so. Slow down, stop, because you are more likely to die in GOP controlled states. It turns out that their policies are not really working. Is anyone shocked about that? I know that I'm not shocked. So a recent study shows that Americans die younger in states that are controlled by conservatives. And the study was published on PLOS One. And here is the breakdown of the study. Results show that policy domains were associated with working age mortality. More liberal policies on the environment, gun safety, labor, economic taxes and tobacco taxes in a state were associated with lower mortality in that state. Situation or simulations indicate 
that changing all policy domains in all states to a fully liberal orientation might have saved 171,000 lives in 2019, while changing them to a fully conservative orientation might have cost over 217,000 lives. And when it comes to who controls what as of June, let's take a look. Republicans control 61% of the state legislatures in this country and Democrats control 35%. So who is in control of the states? You guessed it, the GOP. Meanwhile, another study stated US life expectancy could increase by nearly four years if the country matched the average level of social policy generosity offered in 17 other high income countries. In other words, let me break it down for you. America is failing with quality of life. Yes, we are failing when it comes to quality of life. How can we fix this? Oh, It's so simple because this is about policy. If you want to know what policymakers care about, follow the money and follow the policy. Let's give some examples of what policymakers can do to increase the quality of life. They could raise the minimum wage. Tuition free college, Medicare for all, cut the military budget, tax the rich, the ultra rich. Windfall profits tax, enforce antitrust laws, pass the PRO Act, codify Roe, and expand the court. Those are the things, Ray, that they could do. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, it's, you know, a little bit ironic that the party of pro life doesn't give a they don't give a damn that they're letting their citizens die young. And it's their policies that are doing it. They claim that they care about protecting the sanctity of life. But then once that baby is born, they don't want to provide the services that are going to help that child grow into a healthy and productive adult. They don't want to provide them with you know food assistance programs. They don't want to provide people with rental assistance programs to help people stay housed, to make sure their fundamental needs are met. They want to deprive them of education. And whether it's you know at the elementary and secondary level, or if it's at the college level, they want to make sure all these things are inaccessible. And you know, no surprise to any of us who are in the know, those not providing them with those those fundamental fundamental things at the beginning of their life doesn't have good results for the end. That's exactly right. The beginning matters a lot. Tommy Tuberville is at it again. Remember this. They want crime because they want to take over what you got. They want to control what you have. They want reparation because they think the people that do the crime are owed that. Bull- they are not owed that. Yeah, he said that earlier this month. This man has opened his damn mouth again with more stupidity. And that's what happens when he does open his mouth. Here's what he had to say Tuesday at the forum Alabama breakfast in Mobile. What's happening in our country right now, we're getting too many takers in our country, too many people to take a check and they don't want to give back. They don't want to go to work. We've got to get Generation X and these millennials to understand that you have to tote your own load. Really, Senator, tote your own load? How how are you gonna throw my generation under the bus like that? <laughs> I'm, I'm hurt, quite frankly, I just want you to know that. And I expect an apology. Really, really hurt by that. So tote your own low. You weren't saying that when it comes to the giveaways to all these multi, multi-millionaires and billionaires and corporations. You were not saying that they got to tote their own load. When the government gives out corporate welfare, I don't see you giving speeches at rallies saying that they are one, unpatriotic, and two, that they must tote their own load. But when it comes to the hoods where people are misunderstood, the rural hoods, the suburban hoods or the urban hoods, you have a lot to say. That is really rich. And I want you all to excuse the pun. Coming from someone who literally made millions off the backs of thousands of millennials over the course of his college coaching career. Oh, Let's put this up. I want the folks who are watching to see it. Tommy Tuberville made $25 million off black men. God forbid they get anything back. Hello, the former Auburn football football coach earned a small, you know, just depends on who's small living. 
off of the backs of his football players. Ray. Uh, I will say he's right. There is a group of people in the United States who doesn't want to work and they want to freeload. Uh, we call them landlords, also the <laughs> ultra wealthy. Uh, also, these Republican politicians that, you know, I'll give them credit. They are working hard to make sure the world is worse. But, you know, it's really gross. And he said Gen X, right? Targeted at Gen Z, I'm assuming. And, you know, as someone who is Gen Z, who's been working since I was 15 years old and hasn't stopped since, you know, I, I, I've got a very different picture of, of the work ethic of my generation just because we're more vocal about how we don't want to, you know, become cogs in the capitalist machine doesn't mean we're still not having to go to work and provide for ourselves. Otherwise, we wouldn't be able to, you know, keep on keeping on. That's exactly right. I mean, your generation is a lot more socially conscious and we have a whole lot of variables that make that so. The man is very much out of touch. So the explanation for his asinine commentary was laughable. So a spokesman had to come and try to clean this up for Tuberville said that the that the state's junior senator misspoke and meant to say Gen Z, Ray, you called it, which is loosely defined as people born in the late 1990s and early 2000s instead of Generation X, which includes people in their 50s. I'm glad they cleared that up. <laughs> I, I feel so much better. Now that spokesperson cleared that up. So we weren't dunking on the, the, the Gen Xers, we just dumping on uh, Gen Z. Yeah, go ahead. So now here is some data to debunk Tommy's lies. 66% of millennials are employed full time. 35% of the US workforce are millennials. Millennials will represent 75% of the global workforce by 2025. What Tommy fails to recognize is that that generation, the millennials, is the largest and most diverse generation up until this point. And a lot of them, although young, they have families. The, the upper side, the older side of that generation bumping against the late 30s, early 40s. So they are very much working. And Ray, as you laid out, even if you're not on the upper end in terms of age, of, uh, of, of uh, millennials, if you are in Gen Z, you are working. Memo, note to self, message in a bottle. People who do not have trust funds are working for a living. That is it. And it doesn't matter what generation they are from. This man, let's put up this headline. So you got to find something to blame. Tommy, you know, he's going to blame avocado toast, school for thought, because the math isn't mathing. To quote Andrew Yang, I need the math to math. Gen Z. Gen Z has 86% less purchasing power than baby boomers did in their 20s. You damn right, the math is not mathing. In fact, this generation, whether it's Gen Z or millennials, have to struggle and cannot in some cases hope that their lives will be better than their parents and also their grandparents because the system is absolutely rigged. I guess Tommy didn't get that memo. And Tommy, of course, left out the billions of dollars handed out to the ultra, ultra wealthy in this country. The US plans to lend 500 billion to large companies. It won't require them to preserve jobs or limit executive pay. Please let, let that stay up. Let, let, let us marinate on that. Put that back up. Let us, let's marinate on that. The US plans to lend 500 billion of our dollars to large companies. And it won't require them to preserve jobs or limit executive pay. Now that he's aware, Ray, because I know he's watching, I want to see Tommy get on this real quick. <laughs> it's yeah. Also, when it just comes to Gen Z, they'll cite unemployment statistics, and I just have to advocate for my generation a little bit. If you're Gen Z, you were either graduating high school into a pandemic, or you were graduating college into a pandemic, or going to college during a pandemic, which substantially limited your ability to enter into the workforce right after college. Lucky for me, I had law school lined up; that wasn't an issue. But now people are, you know, graduating college with little on their resumes, and you know, businesses are looking for. Uh, extensive, <laughs> extensive qualifications to start these jobs. So people are underemployed, leaving college. They're working minimum wage jobs, uh, and, and I mean, but people are still working really hard. 
So, you know, the unemployment yeah. rate for Gen Z, you know, is going to be skewed because of the pandemic and how that impacted, you know, us us uniquely. But like, they still are working. All my friends have jobs. I don't know anyone who's just sitting at home and and freeloading. But I mean, you know, Tommy Tuberville himself. But sitting at home eating bonbons and got the Porsche parked <laughs> in the driveway. That's what's happening. And to your point, Ray, about Gen Z. Let us not forget that millennials were coming out of college, those who went to college, because we know everybody does not go to college. So shout out to folks who do not go to college. It's all right, it's okay. We need to have that option here. That's why we need tuition free. But I digress. Let us not forget that millennials, many of them faced the headwinds of the Great Recession from 2008. So we have back to back generations who had a confluence of things that were beyond occurrences, beyond their control that they had to bump up against and deal with life as it comes ordinarily. Those are the facts, Tommy. Those are the facts. And the fact is, we gotta take a break, but we're coming right back. My favorite part of the show, your comments, here we go. Warlock says, our TYT member says, Tuberville is about as virtuous as his highbrow last name sounds. <laughs> that was good, that shade, right? Okay, you, you did that on that shade, Warlock, you did. I'm gonna give, I'm, I will give you some cool points for that shade. And Maximus says, I have a Porsche. I just can't remember if it's a matchbox or Hot Wheels. <laughs> I got to give you some cool points on that one too. I am going to give you a whole bunch of cool points on that one. <laughs> Me too. Matter of fact, I don't even have a matchbox or a Hot Wheels, but I'm going out and buy one later today, Ray. I don't want to be left out. <laughs> and Sean says on our YouTube super chat, hello, somebody. Dina is one of my heroes. Get them, girl. Get some, girl, or get them. Yeah, we're going to get something. I appreciate it. <laughs> On that. Hello, Sean, and thank you for that. You know, that's my favorite call to action. Hello, somebody, because everybody is somebody. And this is a good segue into the next somebody that we want to talk about Lieutenant Governor John Fetterman. Watch this. I had a stroke. He's never let me forget that. And I might miss some words during this debate. Mush two words together, but it knocked me down, but I'm gonna keep coming back up. It knocked me down, but I'm gonna keep coming back up. I had a stroke and he won't let me forget it. Amen, Lieutenant Governor, he won't let you forget it and neither will the GOP because they're using it as a vicious attack against you. But the people of your great state, you have served them well and they know. You know what you're dealing with and they know who you are as well. So Fetterman deserves our respect. There's an editorial that came out recently, not our ridicule. The Democratic nominee could become a role model in helping the nation better understand that a person's struggles can also be their source of strength. That is coming from the Philadelphia Inquirer, right on Philadelphia Inquirer, support your, do that. That's beautiful that you did that. So indeed, that is a reminder that health setbacks don't have to stop people forever. Many folks on a regular basis have health setbacks as part of being human. So whether it's having a stroke or having a heart attack or being in a, in a, in a wheelchair or, or you lost your hearing or your sight, or you have some other conditions that people cannot necessarily see. Are we gonna just shut folks down for being human? And say to them they cannot explore their dreams and their hopes. Hell no, we're not doing that. So big ups to the inquirer for this. So John Fetterman got on the stage despite you know his challenges. He did get on that stage and he did that. I watched that debate. He was handling things. The debate format also worked against him, though. We must acknowledge that. And I'm so glad that the editorial board, the Philadelphia Inquirer, it, it isn't acknowledging that. The questions came rapid fire. And the time allotted to respond was tightly controlled. While the moderators did a good job of enforcing those time limits, Fetterman should have been allowed an additional time to read the questions before the clock started running. That is absolutely right, Philadelphia Inquirer. Inquirer. It is called an accommodation. 
and he should have been given accommodation. The moderators were so focused on controlling it that they lacked the sensitivity about what was happening in the room in that moment. And they never adjust throughout the entire hour. They never made an adjustment. No light bulbs went off in their head to say, hey, wait a minute, we need to kind of do this a different way. So unfortunately, there are some evil people in the world. We know there's good, there's evil, who resorted to making some very disgusting comments about what the lieutenant governor is going, is, is dealing with. It's really ableist language. So here's a tweet from Pennsylvania gubernatorial candidate Doug Mastriano. Uh, his senior legal advisor, Jenna Ellis. So let us remind you that these women are not above playing dirty. What is the faint robotic noise in the background of the Oz Fetterman debate? Is Fetterman literally a robot at this point? What an unholy hell, Ray. That is disgusting, but you know it won't surprise anyone to hear that Tucker Carlson also made the same point on his show. He did 20 minutes before even this debate happened, talking about how because Fetterman uses an accommodation, you don't know where the machine ends and the man begins. But what we do, first of all, having someone transcribe what's being said out loud is not feeding him answers. He's reading right. the questions and everyone is owed an accommodation if they have a disability. I work in disability rights law, big part of my job is helping disabled people get accommodations. And I do have a lot of clients who are recovering from strokes. And something that they often tell me is they think that they're, because I do a lot of housing cases, their landlords think they're stupid. They think they don't understand that they're trying to take advantage of them. But that's just because someone has an issue with auditory processing, you know, or or some, some lingering speech issues doesn't mean they don't fully understand what's happening. Just because you can't necessarily, you know, quickly articulate what, you know, you're trying, what you're thinking doesn't mean that you're not able to think it. And a debate format where Dr. Oz gets to go on there and just be a sleazy, slimy politician, lie and lie and lie, and then make a a full minute of points where he's attacking Fetterman. And then they say, you have 15 seconds, but he's only got 10 because he has to finish reading the monitor. That's right. That's a ridiculous format. And in criticizing the format, you know, I've seen a lot of people saying, oh, it's not ableism to say he's, you know, uh, he was doing poorly. But like, he he's was set up in a situation that he could never, you know, come across as, you know, Dr. Oz, who's been on TV his whole career, is gonna look as good and as polished in. And it was really in the questions they were asking, saying, Can you handle the job despite the fact his doctor said he can handle the job of being a senator? That's All exactly these things right. coming together, it was, you know, it it was stacked against him. It really was. That environment was very much primed for Dr. Oz with his slick self and at the disadvantage of the lieutenant governor and his team, you know, put it out there that even before the stroke, that's that definitely was not John Fetterman's environment even before the stroke. And so especially so after the stroke. So Jenna, no, he's not a robot. He is a human being dealing with some very real challenges and staying out there despite those challenges. And you know what? The joke is on Jenna. And on Dr. Oz, let's put up this headline. Fetterman raised $2 million in less than 24 hours after Oz debate abortion comments. $2 million, yes, the man did. So somebody believes, whole bunch of folks are believers in this man's ability. And you know, Ray, my, you, you made me think, you know, my grandfather, my maternal grandfather had a stroke. And yeah, he didn't lose who he was and his intelligence. He just had to flow and he had it, you know, early later in life, but he just flowed a little differently. His rhythm was just a little different. That's all. Mm-hmm. But he was sharp as a tack. And so for people to come out against uh, folks like John Fetterman and others, it really is it's a sad day. And I it is my hope that what has happened to the lieutenant governor will continue as the Philadelphia Inquirer laid out that it will continue to shine a light on the needs of our elderly, abled or disabled sisters and brothers, family and friends. Uh, let's play an important reminder from former Pittsburgh Mayor Bill Puto. 
a lot of us have had loved ones have had strokes. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I had the experience mm -hmm. with my mom when she was 89. Mm -hmm. And you know that the process that you go through after a stroke, she couldn't even clench her hand when asked to do so. And she came back. Right. John's a young guy in his 50s. Mm -hmm. John's going to get better. Dr. Oz is not. There it is. John will get better. Dr. Oz will not. You, you, you better say that, Mayor. That is the absolute truth. He will not get better, but John absolutely will. So you keep on keeping on, Lieutenant Governor. We are rooting for you and your state. They know exactly who they have. They have a champion, somebody that is going to fight for the workaday people in his state and also in this nation. We sending you love. 80-year-old doctor runs a marathon? Yeah, you heard me right. Watch this. This weekend, Dr. Glenn Galehood will run his 45th Marine Corps Marathon. He's only missed it twice, but he's up for almost any race. He saves his medals, but his true passion is saving lives with his nonprofit Mission to Heal. It brings medical supplies and training to the most remote corners of the world. We have done what we can to help not just to heal the folk that we see immediately by cutting and sewing, but by teaching those skills such that it continues beyond us. The doctor is reminding us all that age baby ain't nothing but a number. Hell, I couldn't even run a marathon. <laughs> this man just ran 170 races on all seven continents. That's impressive. You better go doc, do your thing. And then on top of that, what is even more impressive than him being able to run marathon after marathon after marathon, on all seven continents is the fact that he is using his run as part of his ministry to get universal health care. The mission to heal describes itself this way. We are a nonprofit global medical missions agency that heals underserved people and trains local practitioners in the most remote and needy areas of the world. Two billion people worldwide have no access to safe surgical care. Mission to Heal teams travel to where medical needs, medical need is great and where medical help is under-resourced or non-existent, providing healthcare that is evidence-based and patient-centered. Doctor, who doctor you doing that? I'm, I'm, I am very, very impressed with this, right? Not just his running, but this too. And here we go, this marathon is a good metaphor because it takes discipline, it takes effort, and it takes a commitment. That's what health care is, and that is coming from the good doctor himself, right? It's just so good to see somebody connect their their passion to their you know other passion, I guess, his passion in running. He found a way to connect that to his passion in providing services, and you know I'm glad that it was covered on the news because you know it's it's good awareness, it's good to shed a light on the mission of his organization and what they're doing. But you know to remind people that everybody deserves quality health care. Everybody deserves. Dignified healthcare and the you know quality treatment, regardless of location, regardless of income, regardless of age. Yeah, that is exactly right. And the fact that in this country we are the only industrialized nation that does not have some type of universal healthcare. We spend more for our healthcare in this country, and we do not get better or even equal results. We are the only industrialized nation that does not use the bargaining power of the federal government to bargain for lower prescription prices, to slap down these pharmaceutical companies that price gouge even at the risk of killing people. We don't do that in the good US of A. And so that's why we need people like Dr. Glenn and his organizations and others that are doing this work that are Bringing up, bringing up the rear because the federal government has yet to get a clue that in the 21st century, it is backwards as hell. And especially in the face of a pandemic, which is not over. The height of it may be over, but the pandemic is not over. And certainly the ripple effects, the impact of the pandemic, both on individuals and small businesses too. As we leave out our small businesses, individuals and entrepreneurs are still suffering. If you are not a multi-million dollar corporation, you're not, you're not getting loans and stuff that you don't have to pay back. Hello? So 
the fact that in this moment, leaders, particularly the Democrats, did not take the opportunity to just go ahead and go big or go home and push through universal health care makes no sense, right? At all. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't have thought it better. And I'll say even in America, like I mean, when this we're talking about the missions that this man's doing around the globe. You know, I think that we often think about the people who are desperate for these services as living somewhere remote. I mean, company or organizations like this do missions in West Virginia, in rural West Virginia. They have to provide these free, you know, dental services, which for some of those West Virginians is the first time they've ever been able to go to the dentist in their life. And that Oral care is part of healthcare. It is a fundamental part of keeping yourself healthy. That is exactly right. And the fact that with Medicare as it exists right now, our elders, our senior folks, our seasoned people, they have detached dental and eye and hearing, and it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I want everybody that is watching Unbossed right after this show, I need you to go to Rayvana's show. Reactions is next on Twitch. So please, you don't want to miss this. Be sure to check it out. Go to twitch.tv slash TYT after today's Unbossed. Do yourself a favor, baby, do that. <laughs> Absolutely do that. It's going to continue to be on and popping on Ray's show. Oh my God, perfect jawbone today coming from Helen Keller, who once said alone, we can do so little together. We can do so much. And I believe what the doctor was laying down definitely reminds us of what we can do together. So alone, can't do a whole lot, but together, baby, we can move mountains. I had to put some turnerization on that, but Helen Keller did that. Yes, she did. And thank you for doing the thing with us today. We really appreciate you tuning in to Unbossed. Please send our link. To some of your friends and even your frenemies, tell them this is a show they do not want to miss. I'll see you tomorrow, but you know what we got to do. We got to keep the faith and keep the fight until tomorrow. Thanks for listening to Unbossed. If you like the show, then you'll enjoy our other podcasts on TYT Network like The Damage Report with John Iderola, Indisputable with Dr. Rashad Ritchie and the Young Turks. Make sure to listen and follow, and if you like what you hear, give us a five-star rating.